the thing is, is, is that with Iron Man, your your goal is uh, it's it's never ending. Um, it's it seems never ending when you're out there, but once you cross that line, it's like the best feeling. You realize it. It's been about the journey. Yep. You know, it really is finding out about yourself. What sort of nutrition do you need? What kind of rest do you need? What is your mental tenacity day in and day out? And how can you cut out the wasteful things in your life on a daily basis in order to get this training down? Because there's a lot of sacrifices that need to be made with jobs, money, family, friends. And here for another episode of the Life Short Podcast, my journey to my first Ironman. I'm here today with special guest Kevin Konchak. Kevin is a uh, 30-plus Ironman finisher, age grouper in the 45 to 49 category, very seasoned triathlete. Um, what's cool about Kevin is in addition to holding down a couple of uh, jobs, he also is a USA triathlon, uh, triathlon level two coach um, and was uh, also a participant in the elite coaching mentorship program. So, Kevin, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, as I tell the guests in the beginning of every episode, I set out to I'm setting out to do my first Ironman on September 29th. So we're about 60 days away, a little less. Yeah. Um, and if I'm being honest, I'm probably a little bit undertrained at this point, but I feel like um, you know, 60 days is a good good window to bridge the gap. So thanks for joining. Really looking forward to picking your brain as a coach and as a such a seasoned Ironman finisher. Okay, great. So um, we were talking before we started recording a little bit about um, you know my background and being a novice. I've finished a few um, short distance triathlons, and now I'm setting out to do the the long distance. So what are your thoughts there? Um, I think you're starting out in the in the right manner. Um, typically, starting short then going long is the best way to go about it. Um, number one is it takes a lot less to get ready for short races than it does long race. It's a lot less demanding in the sense that uh, long races you can anything can go wrong over the course of that entire day. Um, you know, if you have an issue in a short race, well you're only out maybe an hour instead of maybe getting nine hours into it and then all of a sudden, you know, something happens. It just totally corrupts your race. Right, like, right, oh, right. No. But uh, if you take a look at the the winners of Ironman Hawaii, nearly all of them started out with short course first. Take a look at Mark Allen. Um, you know, he started out as I, um, the first world champion in Olympic distance at the first world championships years ago. You got Chris McCormick. He was an ITU world champion multiple times. Um, and, you know, right down the line, you just see all these short course guys uh, just moving up when they start losing their speed. Uh, Jan Frodeno, more recently, yep. you know, you're talking an Olympic champion there. Uh, short course, now we have Javier uh, Gomez moving up. And uh, Alistair Brownlee has you know taken a, a stab at the half iron man done quite well so they they build their speed and as it 
their career starts to wane as far as the short course stuff we see a lot of them make the transition to to halves oh interesting and then to full okay so um, so they're doing it as a means to kind of stay in a sport where the young guys kind and the fast guys benefit in the short course and you can only hold that that athleticism for so long exactly right yeah i mean you're not going to see probably a 40 year old win the ITU world championships it's just not going to happen you just lose speed naturally i know that from experience being 49 (laughs) years old right now it seems like the uh the older age groups i mean i come from like a mountain bike racing background and the guys that are like 38 to 50 if they stay in good shape the endurance muscles on these guys is insane yeah um, for distances, especially, yeah. it's like, it's crazy. So, so that makes sense. And yeah, and, and I've I've really liked the Olympic distance. Um, you know, I've not I've not actually done any sprints. I'm not a I'm not a you know, I'm not a fast guy when it comes to anything. Um, so I, I feel like you know the three hour the three hour race has been pretty good for me. And training for Ironman and having done a few of these over this summer. I've gotten a, I've gotten a sense that like I'm pretty well trained for those. So, but that said, admittedly, kind of undertrained for Ironman. Um, I mean, in terms of like my peak workouts where I'm at right now, I've done an 80 plus mile ride. Um, I've done some decent brick trainings, you know, 60 60 mile ride, you know, seven mile run, things of that nature. But now it's like time is of the essence. I've got eight weeks. Yeah, the time and the- a taper. Exactly right, and you want to—you'd rather arrive slightly underprepared than even one percent overprepared, um, because if you're—if you've trained too much, I mean, your your day's done before it starts, really. Yeah, you're already tired, so you want to start fairly fresh, even, even maybe a little too fresh sometimes. But you may surprise yourself—you don't know. Um, with with Iron Man. Um, in my 30 plus years of Ironman, I've been trying to figure out really what Ironman is all about. How, how do the fast guys get fast and stuff? Well, that's a whole nother story. But, um, you know, it's one of these things where what is the most essential part of an Ironman is, is pacing and nutrition. You have to know your threshold pace that you can carry all day long. We see a lot of people... Um, you know, we have we have a mutual friend who uh, starts out very strong, and um, good swimmer, good swimmer, good strong good, biker, strong biker, and uh, you know his runs come a long way. Um, I've worked with him, coached him, and one thing he hadn't quite learned yet is uh, he hasn't dialed in the nutrition, mm. which is a huge portion of it. The other thing is is finding that that pace that's right that you can sustain um and really like when you're doing your training you're doing your long runs for example don't stop every couple of miles and walk just to catch your breath if you're Mm -hmm. having to do that you're going too hard ah yeah You, you need to like dial it back a little bit and pick a pace that you can sustain it it's a long run it's not a long run Walk. with a bunch of walks right. <laughs> in there. Right. I mean, that's defeating a large part of the purpose. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have that in an Ironman where when you get to an aid station, you're going to, even if you're 
an experienced athlete, a lot of them will walk the aid stations to get more fluids because that's it's a mile between each aid station. And if you're doing something like, for example, Hawaii Ironman, you say so most of the people doing that at, later in the race, they're starting to walk the aid stations just to get more fluids because it's so hot. Yeah. And uh, you're, it's an all-day event, really is. Um, so, But really, in your training for Ironman or even marathons, you want that pace that you can sustain and just keep going and not have to stop. And, of course, you're going to have to stop for bathroom breaks. That's <laughs> you, you Hopefully, know, yeah. You know, you will. If, you, if you're not stopping for bathroom breaks because you don't have to go to the bathroom. You're dehydrated. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're in deep trouble. So you want to be, you know, making some pit stops along the Yeah, Metzler the, shared the same advice. He said it's a two, it's a two, two P rule on the bike. And once you pee twice then start to feel your body out and kind of take in nutrients as need be or yeah. water rather but yeah he said try to pee twice on the bike yeah exactly um you know there's a lot of theories out there of course this is going to vary depending on your intensity level and the conditions you're racing in but um one bottle per hour go through one bottle per hour so if you're on the bike five hours at five bottles minimum minimum I mean, but and is that with fuel in the water? Uh, absolutely, yeah. because if you don't, if you're if you're just taking in water, then you're not going to have enough uh, caloric stores to get through the race. Yeah, uh, there's something called bonking, which you don't want to do. Um, mm. You're probably familiar with the term; you've heard it before. <laughs> um, but definitely something. Um, you know, for myself, I try to shoot for about 300 calories per hour, um, and about one large water bottle per hour okay so that means i'm going through probably five bottles so i've got two um bottles and cages under my uh frame and mm -hmm. then i've got um i'm thinking about getting a, a rear seat rack what's a recommendation on setup i mean are you carrying five bottles no um the reason is is a, a large water bottle i put this on my digital scale actually a large water bottle yeah, for me is 1.8 pounds yeah so if you're carrying, you know, four bottles, for example, you're dealing with eight pounds. I mean, we spend all this money on expensive bikes for grams here and there and titanium, this and carbon, that. Mm -hmm. But then they stack a whole bunch of bottles on. I mean, they're providing liquid out there. Okay. You know, if you have special needs, you're going to have a special needs bag. Halfway through the bike, you're going to have a bag with your number on it of whatever mix you need or your special formula that you like to drink. Mm -hmm. And what I like to do is... Uh, the night before the race, uh, freeze the bottle hmm. in the freezer. And then when they're together in the plastic bag, it's kind of insulated a little bit. If, if it's a cooler race, it should be cool and melted to the point where you, you can drink it halfway through the bike. So those are the ones that are in my emergency bag. Right. My special needs Your special bag. needs bag. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, mixing the stuff, sometimes it can kind of clump together depending on what you get. So what I like to do is put in about one or two inches of hot water in on, on top of the mix that I put in. And it kind of makes like a slurry, like a dissolves it. Instead of globulating like, you know, some, some brands you put cold water in and there's chunks of like sugar in the bottom just kind of floating around yeah and it doesn't mix well so use some hot water and then you know make that slurry and then add the cold water leave about maybe half inch uh to three quarter inch from the top put the top on put it in the freezer overnight that thing's going to be rock solid and you want a little room at the top because uh ice it'll expand right yeah yeah, yeah. water expands so. yep that's smart. Well, Couple September tips. 29th in Maryland is probably still going to be pretty humid. I'm sure it'll be yeah. chilly 
in the morning to get started, but right. it'll heat right up. Yep. I mean, we're hoping for clear skies, I'm sure. But, um, and so I'm, I'm using uh, EFS by Endurance uh, first, yeah. and I'm using um, Endurox R4 for recovery. And then I've got, you know, um, vegan protein that I drink before, um, before bed to try to refuel my muscles. Right. What's, um, what's your stance on, um, fuel and recovery and all those things? Let's talk nutrition for a little bit. Okay, great. Um, so generally I like to try to lean up a little bit, uh, before races. So I'm not carrying now as extra pound two, three, whatever yeah. it happens to be. Um, everyone's got a hard time in the wintertime typically, but, um, I try to keep, you know, pretty decent diet, uh, year round. Um, I have my treats too. You know, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with having treats. It keeps you sane and you know, it's kind of like a nice little reward. Yeah. Cause there's so much that you sacrifice with your job and with your, in your lifestyle in general. And then the tra- add to the, add to it, all the rigors of training. And it's like, if you can't have a treat every once in a while, yeah. like. Yeah. Life just gets unbearable. Have some pizza on the weekend, or, <laughs> right. or you know, make you know, <laughs> for those non-vegans, you know, I, I have no problem with going to Five Guys with my family for totally. for once every two months or something like that. You know, uh, certainly we don't do that kind of thing regularly. You know, generally eat you know lean meats. I like a lot of fish, um, protein shakes, things like that. I yep. don't eat a lot of beef. Um, I just find it kind of a little harder on the system to digest, you know, leaves you feeling heavy. So I like something a little bit lighter. So what about for somebody like me being a little bit undertrained, I could probably stand to lose maybe like five pounds before the race. And I could do it if I clean the diet up and the training itself is just going to take care of it. Do you think that that puts you in a place where you're, um, you're weak or is the cost benefit of dropping weight kind of rapidly over the next eight weeks going to net pay off? Well, it's, it's better going in just a little bit heavy than it is a little bit too lean. Um, people were commenting on Lionel Sanders being too lean right now before. Oh, out. really? They say, yeah, he's trimmed down and Mark Allen made a Since comment. his last one? Yeah, yeah. Apparently he's like a little little overly skinny for what a lot of the so-called experts um, yeah. you know would say um of course you know i shouldn't say so-called because mark allen is certainly an <laughs> yeah expert. that's right but you know i saw a comment on a, a forum yesterday where mark allen had apparently said he's too skinny which i don't know i'd probably listen to mark he's pretty <laughs> he's pretty dialed in yeah and for those who don't know mark allen mark allen and dave scott um what did they call that race? The Iron War? Iron War. Both of them six-time Ironman world <laughs> champions. But interestingly enough, every single time up until that race, Dave Scott kicked Mark Allen's butt. Yeah. Every time. Yep. So they each have six. So it's hard to say who's who, better. Who's the best. Right. I mean, I'd love Mark to. only beat Dave once. <laughs> right. <laughs> only once. Right. <laughs> it was. It's interesting that that uh, comes up because when I – first set out and decided, I mean, Ironman's been on my radar for a number of years and, you know, I've got friends in the sport and, um, but when I decided to do it, a buddy of mine recommended listening to the Sages podcast by Lance Armstrong and the, he talks about the Iron War and has a great story about it. Cause he was there yeah. watching it. At, yeah. Um, and then he had Mark Allen and Dave Scott both on the, sh- uh, stages show for yeah. interviews, but yeah. 
fascinating sport and i'm sure there's plenty of others and you've been around for the sport long enough have you been to kona and watched any races um i've raced kona 13 times holy cow i've qualified 19 times um so we're talking to we're talking to an expert here (laughs) that's that's awesome super cool and um so what's that experience like oh it's miserable it's so hot oh my gosh so i'm originally from michigan and my background is uh, Nordic skiing. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I raced uh, in college yeah. uh, at the university level and um, started as a cross-country runner for a couple of years in high school. Then um, got into uh, Nordic skiing really heavy, and that became my primary sport. And then triathlon followed after that. Um, so I, I'm going to have to go with, you know, I'm, I'm a... At, at heart a cross-country skier and I love the cold the heat I don't so I'm even though I don't really ski much anymore triathlon is a, a heat sport really mm-hmm. when you think about it so uh, going to something like Kona just I mean it just kills me every time I have not been able to get over that hurdle of the heat I've done all the you know heat training and everything you can read and find on it yeah. uh, putting extra clothes on in the summertime to go train on your long days i think i honestly believe some people are genetically engineered to either be good in the heat or not and i happen to be one of these that aren't yeah so i prefer you know the crappier the weather really the the better for me (laughs) if it's like cold and rainy and miserable (laughs) and and nobody can move their fingers they can't clip their helmets that's right up Kevin's blowing that's by right I, I'm running around in shorts and they all got <laughs> you know they've they've all got like you know arm warmers leg warmers on you know I'm like that's woohoo funny. it's a day at the beach <laughs> and I can imagine even with I mean even take the heat out of it just like the the long lonely road out there with you know lava rock everywhere yeah. it's I mean it's for people who haven't really um you know experienced the Kona race watched it on tv whatever I mean you know, you think of Hawaii and you think of beaches and palm trees yeah. and stuff. And this is like all over the whole freaking island. Yeah. And a lot Black. of it's like lava, lava flow area. Desolate. Yeah. Hot, humid. I mean, I is don't it hilly? like humidity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's got the heat, the wind, the hills. Yeah, the wind, too. All the stuff most people don't like. And which is really interesting is that it, you know, the, the wind is enough to, I mean, I would not mind the, the hilly course at all being a lighter guy. But the wind is bad enough where um, I really feel the heat when I'm climbing a hill out there. Um, the wind's in your face almost all the time or crosswind. So it works against, I think, lighter guys sometimes. You yeah. Know? And it wouldn't be as bad if I like the heat. So that makes it double deadly for me. And I usually end up, you know, so dehydrated. It's just the nutrition is like unlike any other race. It's un- That's why it's the championship. It's yeah. so hard. So... Yeah, but anyways, I, I'm putting that to rest for a couple of years here and just focus on short course. Um, cool. Yeah, just with, the, you know, the two jobs, well, three really. So between, you know, a uh, network technician and a uh, real estate agent oh, wow. and uh, triathlon coach. Coaching. And how many clients do you have right now? Uh, for coaching? Uh-huh. Oh, it's uh, four right now. Cool. Um, so it's, it's a big job. Yeah, it's it's manageable. You know, I don't want too many more. I mean, it, because uh, I, I think if you get beyond your balance point, we talked about balance. That's a huge part. Yeah. Um, I, I've 
see myself going up to half dozen right now. Um, I don't do any advertising at all. It's all referral based. Yeah. A lot of people don't even know I'm a coach because I, I don't advertise it. It's just word of mouth and people seem to find me. Awesome. Know? So uh, we'll sniff out the best when we want to uh, <laughs> when we want to when we want to uh, achieve achieve our dreams. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I, I would I would love to have a couple more, but. Um, you get, like I said, to a point where balance, you know, I'm carrying so much going on, you know, in my life right now that uh, I don't want something else to get out of whack. And then, you know, that's a, that's an ugly spin on things. Yeah. You know, uh, last thing you want to do is neglect any part of your life. So I and I think as a first time triathlete or Ironman athlete, that's one thing uh, people become obsessed with the training. They think they have to go out and do a full Ironman in training right before they're doing a, you know. Yeah, I made race. that mistake. Yep. It's, that's not good. Okay. And, you know, you're, the thing is, is, is that with Ironman, your, your goal is, uh, it's, it's never ending. Um, it's, it seems never ending when you're out there, but once you cross that line, it's like the best feeling. You realize that it's been about the journey. Yep. You know, it really is. Finding out about yourself. What sort of nutrition do you need? What kind of rest do you need? What is your mental tenacity day in and day out? And how can you cut out the wasteful things in your life on a daily basis in order to get this training down? Because there's a lot of sacrifices that need to be made with jobs, money, family, friends, and things like that. It's like, oh, okay. Um, uh, you know, it's some some people have functions that they will certainly have to taper back like you know uh, maybe they're in a group or something like that that uh, requires a lot of time they may have to dial that back a little bit so yeah and you know one thing about that I'll, I'll say um, having having kind of jumped into this sport from a few of my uh, friends in my social circle most of them aren't involved in it and so it's kind of been an interesting thing to have to trim some of the things out in my life that people that that truly I am passionate about but they just don't fit in anymore because this takes up 15 plus hours a week of my time and uh, you know the summers I mean concerts and camping trips and all this stuff and it's like well I got to bring my bike how am I going to build my training into that can I go to that concert and be out until one in the morning I'm going to feel like shit in the morning and not want to get up and put 80 miles in so and then all your favorite shows are going to be sitting there on dvr for a <laughs> that's few months right. so you're like i have no more dvr space that's i can't right. you know i can't watch my game of thrones or <laughs> no but you know you 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 mentioned something that i think is important and when i set out on this journey i knew that beyond the race itself and the fitness and you know the accolades and whatever else like i knew i'd probably take more away in what i learn about myself right. than anything I think it's really, you know, we, we spend so much time trying to learn about the sport and how to do things for the training, you know, uh, you're coaching yourself. And really, you're learning not so much about the sport as you are about yourself, really. I mean, it's quite simple, really. You go out, you swim, you bike, and you run, and through consistency day in and day out, that's where you're going to make a lot of your improvements. There's not going to be any one single workout that is going to make your day this almighty glorious day, (laughs) okay? It's a matter of 
piecing it together mile by mile. You got, look, I'm at mile one on the run. Okay, I'm facing a marathon. Just just get to mile two the best you can, nice and paced and hydrate and, you know, just don't blow it all in the first two-thirds of the race. I'm, mm-hmm. People get on the bike and they just hammer. They're like, oh, I'm a biker. And then they're, you know, hammer the bike and they have nothing left for the run. Right. I mean, you have to put something in the bank for the latter half of the race. And that includes the calories, too. So that's why I say the two most essential things in Ironman uh, are really pacing and nutrition. You dial those two things in. And it can take years because once you get it figured out, you may go to another race that is completely different terrain and weather and Mm -hmm. environment. And it's not the same. I mean, I've got my nutrition dialed in on certain conditions. I haven't done that in Hawaii. So it's never-ending you know seeking trial and error yeah yeah yeah. and you try something different each time you go there i've had 13 tries i still haven't figured it out and i finally just decided look heat's not my thing yeah you know i've like horrible have you finished any of them or do you drop do you have you dropped no i i've i've finished all of them oh good okay no all, all but one i uh went one year and i had the flu and i was getting better i still had a little bit of a upper respiratory congestion and i uh passed out at what's called the hot corner okay. in hawaii if you watch iron man on tv yep. they talk about it all the time right in town luckily and only a mile like less than a mile from the pier and i found myself in a uh medical ambulance oh, going wow. to the medical tent they're trying to figure out what country i was from <laughs> and so which, you were out cold yeah, well, wow. it was really interesting because I had, um, that year I had uh, my singlet from the ITU World Championships in triathlon from, uh, it, was, um, it was Montreal, yeah, Olympic Distance okay. World Championships, I was on Team USA, and I was wearing the singlet that said USA on it. So they're like, what country is he from? And he's like, I think he's German. I think I heard him talk German, you know. I was just like, what? You know, you're waking up. You, you know, you got oxygen mask on, you know. So you were do- totally disoriented. Oh, yeah, I passed out. I wow. mean, I, I hit a car running. So I, you know how you have a camera in, like, Batman, the old Batman show where they spin the camera really fast? Yeah. So, you know, the heat of Hawaii, along with what ended up being the tail end of the flu and the fever that I had, yeah. you know, you put all that into it. You know, what are you going to do? Drop go out before? Try I mean, forget it. Okay, if I can finish, that was the main goal. Yeah. And uh, I ended up at the hot corner, camera spinning in circles. I last thing I saw was a mirror on a car that was parked on the side of the road at the time. This is before they removed all the cars. Oh, okay. So yeah. it was quite a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like 90s or something. I don't wow. know. Should be in athlinks.com, you know, where I had a DNF on in Hawaii. So yeah. anyways, yeah, so yeah, I finished them, you know, all but that one because you know, it was the flu. But wow. is what it is. Yeah. I gave it the college try. So good enough. Yeah, but those are the stories that like are so fascinating because you I mean, it's like these little subtle things like you can have a flu and go grocery shopping and you can have a flu and get through your work week and you can have a flu and get through a ton of training days, but you know, sometimes the the added stress of race day and the added um, strain of the conditions that exist in Kona and all of a sudden uh, it's lights out. And that was actually, that was a really hard hit for me because, you know, you put so much into preparing for something like the World Championships and you DNF. And while it was a flu, 
after that, I was I was pretty upset about it, and um, I typically don't get torn up about race results too much. I'm just like, um, better luck next time. But that one, I'm like, you DNF Kona. That's just bad, you know? Yeah, it's a bummer. And I expected to do quite well, and I didn't. Um, but what happened is... Um, I, I was just like done with triathlon after that. I said, all right, um, it was just too much of a, a blow to, you know, say, look, I just didn't have it to, to even make it through one race. Even though I had the flu and the fever, it was kind of, I was a little too hard on myself. Yeah. And, um, this guy that at work, uh, who was, um, at my tech job, he was my manager and we had a really good rapport and, um, you know, he was, uh, telling me, you know, you got you got talent you shouldn't stop you should keep going i mean i'd hate to see you put all that work into it and just stop the sport you know he's he's like come on you're better than that yep and um it was that was october when i did the dnf and he died in november i believe about a month later got in a car accident up up in steamboat in, in a rollover and after that, um, I was like, I was the last person at work that saw him. He was getting a car rental the next day because he was in a country band as a drummer and was going to play a gig up in Steamboat Springs. Uh-huh. And he apparently he was too tired and, you know, everything came back good on the toxicology. He had nothing in his system. Yep. He just apparently fell asleep. And the, the news said he was partially ejected out of the... Subaru that oh. he had and it's just like and and it was a hard hit because um, I had worked under him longer than anybody else in the group and we were pretty close and then I remember that discussion we had the the like a couple nights before he died you know yeah we were in his office just chit-chatting and um and I I got inspired to start up again and I was, because, you know, I was moping, you know, as being a big wuss bag, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was like, I got to do this for Dan, um, you know. And uh, so I started training and I signed up for Ironman California 2000 or 2001. It was a full distance at that time. And I came, I came back. I set my personal best in the marathon with five bathroom breaks. I ran, oh, wow. I, I ran a 301 marathon. Holy cow. And I had, like, it was, like, the ninth fastest time, including pros, uh, all the pros and all the age groupers. I had one guy from, I think he was from Japan, that ran just, like, a little bit faster. Not much, but just, like, a few seconds faster. Um, but it was one of those things where your legs take off and the rest of your body's left behind. You're, like, slow up. I can't, you know, I can't yeah. keep up with the legs, you yeah. know. You're running like, you know, your body's in the back back and your legs are out front. And I don't know what it was. It was just one of those career performances you have. And um, I've run close to that a few times, um, but not quite that fast. So it was a 301? It was a 301, and that was after the swim and after the bike with five bathroom breaks. So it was realistically run time. Uh, minus Porter, Porter John is, which it counts. Porter John's count, of course, in an Ironman. It yeah, doesn't yeah. stop. But, but, but I you mean, got a figure. Realistically, we're looking at about a 256 to, you know, to 257. That's crazy. You know, because um, they were, most of them were not breaks of the fast kind. Right. 
I guess that's the most PC way of saying <laughs> it. <laughs> but we uh, talk a lot about yeah. bodily fluids on this podcast because it's a reality. Yeah, yeah, it, that's it, awesome though. And and uh, what a story. And yeah. so I mean, you know, you had somebody looking over you, but amazing that he one of the you know last conversations that probably he had. Um, yeah, was mm-hmm. pumping you up. I was it, and then he and, got to go pay homage. Well, yeah, because I went and. Uh, walked out walked him out the door he was it was at night he was going home because he had an early flight uh, or not flight um early drive to uh, steamboat springs yeah and um that was just i guess unfortunately you know he was what like 30 31 when he died he was a couple years older than i was bummer at the time so but yeah so kind of got me back into it and just realized it's a lifestyle mm-hmm. you know i and dnfing in kona really made me realize that hey uh, you take yourself too seriously it's it's not good um you have to be in it for the lifestyle it's healthy it's fun when you stop having fun and you just start despising it and looking at it like i've got to i got to go work out you need to dial it back and step away yeah instead of like now i'm like geez i can't wait to what's when can i fit in another workout Mm -hmm. you know do i have a half hour here like before you came over I'm like, okay, great. I've got like an hour and a half. I'm going to go recon part of the course for this weekend. You know, fit in whatever I, you know, whatever I can when I can, trying to balance and juggle everything I have. Yeah. Um, and like you, um, you know, it's it, it's a matter of taking those little chunks, piecing it together with the rest of your life. And that's, you're, you're finding your balance right now. And everyone out there who aspires to do an Ironman, um, really the one of the key things to keep your whole life healthy really and your sanity and your marriage intact if you're married <laughs> yeah. is you have to find that level of training uh that that fits into your life um you don't need to do 20 hours a week uh to finish an iron man i mean my big weeks for probably my last five Ironman races were probably right around 15 hours. Mm-hmm. I averaged about 10 hours a week. That's it. Yeah. Wow. But it's it's efficient. It's not junk miles. You know, when I'm out there um, and I do, it's like a long ride every other week. I don't do a long ride every week because there's really, people do too much. Really, I work on a 10-day cycle where... Every 10 days, I will have either a long ride or a long run. I have a mandatory day off where you're doing nothing. You're getting back to your family, getting back to your washing your clothes, washing your car, mowing your lawn. Right. Life needs to, it doesn't just stop. You have to take care of it. And it lets you mentally and physically step away and come back with your batteries recharged. So I, I think you, everyone needs to take a day off. I'm talking like not sit on the couch, but just get back and just you know get those other things that may be stressing you out because if you have all that stuff piling up you're stressed by the time you get to the iron man you're like oh jesus i you know i got eight foot tall grass right can't do that right I'm sorry my you know you'd be my like, life is in shambles and yeah. now i've got to think about that for no. you know 12 hours while i suffer that's that's <laughs> that's not healthy at all right so i mean the last thing you want to do before an iron man i took a few you know, thoughts down yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always that panic training before big races, whether you're a pro or amateur. Um, it's it's a way to have the confidence to to get through an Ironman. 
Uh, I think a lot of people, that's why they do it. They panic train. Uh, my wife's starting to do that. You know, she's like, "Oh my God, I got to go do a run and a ride and a swim and all she's this." She's doing this. seventy Boulder seventy point three. She's this doing weekend. it this weekend. Yeah, right. so we're both doing it. Cool. But in doing that, at, you know, at some point during the race, you're going to realize that the panic training uh, was not a good idea because you're going to be like, "Oh my God, I'm only two thirds through this and I am done. Mm. I'm like, put a fork in me." Homer, I'm done. Yeah. You know, um, and that's going to actually, where you set out in this panic training uh, to boost your confidence, you find out at some point in the race, it's going to erode your confidence because that thought creeps in, oh, crap, I shouldn't have done that. You know, that one last long run, that one last long ride, don't do it. Just dial it back and call it you know good that that's that's where coaches um kind of help keep the athletes in check because the they you know these athletes want to get out there newer athletes and overdo it because they think they need that that this one magic ride or magic run is going to make or break my day right and that's not how it is and and you know um uh, again, you know, it's it's a goal that just keeps going. Once you finish your Ironman, you're going to be so thrilled. You're going to be starting to look for more races. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can always do mix them up, short, long, medium, whatever. Uh, best to start short, of course. Um, what I like to do is, with the athletes I coach, is use shorter races. And, and for myself, use the shorter races just to keep the speed up. Because if you just do long, slow distance all the time, your body's going to develop this long, slow rhythm. Mm-hmm. It's like a metronome. Yeah, that's great and all, but at the same time, you're you're going to lose some speed. So you have to really uh, kick up those fast twitch muscle fibers periodically. Right. Do some sprints. Make yourself like totally, you know, out of breath. You know, you get in some sprint races. So you're heaving and hoeing. Mm-hmm. That's some that's some good advice to kind of keep in mind. Um, but uh, you know, you'd never want to take it your first race too seriously uh you know this is this is great that that so many people get into it and they're they're focused and stuff but you get too serious in the sports for example um just read in the news yesterday ellie Suter. she's an olympic uh british snowboarder she um she just died um she missed a, a flight to train with her team uh i believe it was in australia um and we're talking an olympian here uh-huh. And it was her 18th birthday when she died. Wow. And the, they're, they're saying suicide. Oh. Because she was so upset that she let her team down. I mean, that while confirmed last night, or not confirmed for sure because the autopsy and all that. Yeah. But uh, they said they, they found her. And wow. It appeared to be suicide. From I mean, we set out to do these things to have fun, so yeah, losing track of that is an unfortunate side effect of wanting to be your best self. Right, and you know, things, other things can happen like divorce, eating disorders, a lot of athletes, you know, get wacky, they gotta lose all this weight to do this sport, and they gotta look like the pros and have all the equipment. No, just make it a goal of getting across the line. Yeah. Have fun. Thank the volunteers. Talk to some co-workers. You know, not co-workers. Talk to you. Kind of, it can be a job. Sometimes. Yeah, I think of it right. as a job. Yeah. Yep. I, you know, and... Um, it feels like a job. It, it does sometimes uh, because you're doing it every day. But that goes back to the whole, when can I go get another workout in? You know, for, because it's a reward for putting up with the daily 
whatever it is you're doing mm-hmm. you know i mean if you're in corporate america it's working out can be a reward for putting up with the daily politics of corporate america mm-hmm. you know just the crap at the office that you deal with every day um or you know maybe it's a way to get away and internalize with yourself because you're surrounded by you know you come home and you got like 10 kids screaming or whatever you know and your wife's <laughs> you hollering at you to go mow the lawn that's mm-hmm. 10 foot tall you know yep and uh you just got done putting up with all the co-workers and whatever and you need to escape and so i use the sport as it's always been there for me when everything else in there's been times in my life where everything has, at one point has let me down and betrayed what what um you thought it would be yep um you know you can it could be friends it could be family members it could be co-workers you know you'd be like oh my god the last person on the earth i thought would not be by my side for something wasn't or who would be by my side is, is not by my side in something yeah it could be anything mm-hmm. you know i'm just you know being hypothetical yeah, here. yeah. Mm-hmm. but i know that what's gotten me through a lot of these times has been sport being able to get away I feel good when I'm doing it. I feel good when I'm done with it. And if anything, you got your workout in for the day and you can say, hey, I didn't sit on the couch and eat ho-hos. Yep. I did something to reward myself and and feel alive. So, yeah. Yeah, and for the folks out there that, you know, a lot of of people in my network, I think, you know, and, and a lot of folks everywhere, I think, being active and getting into sports and, um, you know, even the social side of, you know, joining a, joining a beer league kickball, um, you know, whatever it is. But I think at the end of the day, um, you know, I challenge everybody to try the sport of triathlon because I think that, uh, to your point, when you, when you go inward on a long ride or a long run or whatever, it's like highly meditative and, uh, surprisingly, um, you get, you get way more out of it than you think you're going to have to put into it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It drains me of, of any angst that I have. Like today, yeah. I um, I mean, this week I've been overthinking. I've been so busy at work that I have not gotten – I hadn't gotten very much in. I had a strong weekend of training, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday were pretty much shot, um, which 60 days out, you do not want to probably take three days off, but – is what it is. And, you know, I went to the gym at lunch today thinking maybe I'd do some core work or whatever. And I was like, no, I'm going to strap the shoes on and get on the treadmill. And I had one of like the best treadmill runs I've had in a while. I was fired up the entire time, start to finish all eight, seven, eight miles. And you know, that that's the thing. Um, I was also thinking about that before you came over, you may get into a race along your, uh, trip through Ironman, mm-hmm. uh, where you you start the line and you're like oh my god i feel horrible it's just like miserable uh and you end up having race of your life you're like i felt great or you could be like i feel great this i'm gonna rock this and everything that could go wrong just goes wrong i mean i had i had one of those uh, a couple weeks ago i had a duathlon i did and i thought okay, I, I'm not sure. It's been a while since I've raced, you know, um, dealing with a few injuries and stuff. And I started out, and I just felt awesome. And I got to the turnaround on the run. I'm like, I don't feel so good anymore. Like, I'm a little more tired than I thought I would be. Then I get on the bike, 
and I'm like, oh, the bike's going okay, blah, blah, blah. I just kind of relaxed the first half. And then my shifter broke, and I got oh, stuck yeah. in the 5311 for the last 10 miles at the Boulder Peak Duathlon. So all those hills on 63rd coming back to town, yep. I did in the hardest possible gear. Now, you could cross-chain go on the 39, but you're going to snap your chain with those little narrow chains now. So, um, you know, I'm like... I'm probably going to break the chain if I hit these hills, you know. Um, so I, I stuck it out, and uh, by the time I got to the run, I, I was just, my legs were done from, you know, it's like doing a whole bunch of powerlifting squats yep. before you go run. So, and I started the day out thinking, yeah, it might go pretty good. You know, it started out, you know, the run was great. And, uh, I mean, I, luckily I still won the race. I had a pretty good margin over second place. But oh, cool. I, I, I still, um, it wasn't what I was expecting for sure. And anything can go wrong. So just keep in mind that if you have something go wrong, you have to learn crisis management. So learn how to change a tire. Learn some basic maintenance with your bike simple things if you don't know look on the internet there's a lot of youtube videos out there that will tell you how to do this stuff um you know simple things like changing a tire that intimidates the heck out of a lot of you know newer athletes it is it's really easy all you got to do is a few times Mm -hmm. and know what to look for um if you don't want to do the internet you know there's some classes that um I, I know there's a bike shop that has some classes on tire changing or basic bike man- maintenance. You can attend one of those or have a friend who's a mechanic show you how to do that. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's a good idea. I did that race too. Uh, the I did the Olympic try. Oh, the Boulder, Peaks. The Boulder Peak. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, and it was a blast. Um, had a great swim. and my Actually, everything was pretty good. My transitions, um, obviously, that's like a part of the sport where being a novice, you 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 start to have epiphanies every time. Like, oh, I don't know why I put that there for so long. I've got to like move the shoes or whatever. Yeah. But I was in and out in a um, little over three minutes each time, and so hoping for the same for the others. And I know I was looking at a lot of the like the finish times and like some of these guys that that um, you know the pros and some of like the the best age groupers they're in and out within like 90 seconds and it's crazy yeah that's uh that's actually uh one of the things i work with a lot on the athletes that i coach is transition so typically um i have the fastest transition in races in either for age group for the rate uh, basically my transitions are as fast as the pros awesome um and you know, same with duet, doing duathlons and stuff. You have to be really fast. So I, I actually, I don't practice it, but I've mastered it to the point where, you know, I really push through transition. A lot of people will tell you, take a few deep breaths, grab some water, blah, 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 blah. Well, you can gain a minute in just by organization, knowing where all your stuff is and not, you know, getting your nails done or stopping for a massage or whatever you know i was fumbling around with stuff and not getting out of my wetsuit as efficiently as i could and right and why i mean the little things i mean number one you may not have practiced wetsuit yep um so when i was in college i would take my uh wetsuit and my bike and go to the athletic field um they had a parking lot there uh at the school I went to, it had, it had this gigantic wooden dome. It has a football field inside it. It's got the world's largest retractable retractable indoor turf. 
Cool. Right? Yeah, it's pretty cool. It was yeah. also, it was also an Olympic training center. Okay. So um, they this, so uh, it was what was cool about it was I would sit there and run through. I would suit up in my wetsuit a dozen times. And I'd run across the parking lot in my wetsuit, looking like the biggest dork. <laughs> yeah. And I would get to my bike, which was leaning against a tree, and, and I would do things like put the lube on your wrist, on your ankles, all this stuff that helps, you know, sl- you know slip out of a, you know, a wetsuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of products out there, um, but basically any, you know, uh, the, the last part that comes off is at your wrist. Yeah. So you want to... Lube that up pretty good, you know, a spray. Some people use cooking spray or, you know, body glide or uh, I use something called Sport Slick. It's a can of like a silicone spray. Oh, cool. And I'm not pushing the product or anything uh, or body glides, but those are just products that I've seen and used. These um, are the tricks of the trade that are awesome. Let's keep going. Yeah, now. so Sport Slick I find is the best for my for my experience. Uh-huh. Um and put it on your ankles as well. Uh, you know, maybe the last six, eight inches uh, of both your wrists and your legs. And um, make sure you know how to put a wetsuit on too, uh, because a lot of people don't pull it up high enough um, on their legs mm. before they get in the arms. So you have all this material down below the waist, and then they find it restricts your your swim stroke. So yeah. you have to get it up, pull it up as high as you can using just the the chub of your finger, not your nails. And you have to actually work it up around your waist. And then when you put your arms in, all right, you got your suit up without zipping it up, uh, zipping it up yet. You bend over, grab around the where the rolls would be, you know, if you have rolls, you know. <laughs> right. and, and then pull it up like that and work it up around the chest and the shoulders and the arms. Uh, that was actually the, you know, first time I was ever really taught how to put on a wetsuit properly was by the the owner of blue 70 oh yeah and that was at iron man new zealand wow um, which was a great race if you ever want to go to new zealand it's awesome so, yeah i hope i mean i hope the sport takes me internationally what a cool way to travel new zealand i would i mean out of all the ones i've done i've done brazil um you know it i would just say new zealand is just go there for for the trip itself you know the you know icing on the cake is is the race right yeah um, but uh, the weather can be kind of iffy it's in their springtime sort of or is it springtime well i guess it would be opposite right march so that yeah, would be their is, fall yeah <laughs> it'd be fall. their fall so mm-hmm. it can start to you know rain uh but we had great weather it was uh yeah it was people were great we stayed two weeks there but um you know uh, so yeah learn how to put your wetsuit on uh there's actually some really good videos online on putting on wetsuit uh on the blue 70 website um they they show how to do that okay it's really good so it's be blue70.com i went uh sleeveless for this next one um because i was in the market for a suit and to your point about probably i probably had in previous races the wetsuit on wrong and I remember Xterra Indian Peaks, um, I had a full suit on and almost quit about 50 strokes into the, into the swim because I, was, I felt like I was getting choked to death. And yeah. I couldn't get my arms around. Yeah. Saw the first kayaker. I was like, I'm done. Yeah. Fortunately, somebody in the water kind of saw a little bit of my, my chaos. And um, he said, uh, just turn over and kick on your back, man. <laughs> and I did that for the rest of the race. I was like, yeah, he's right. That's he's right. I'm thrown right now. 
but anyway, you know, it's, it's those types of things that going into it as a novice, you just don't know. So I'm interested, I guess, um, why don't you share a little bit about like the days leading up to, so I've got eight weeks, a little less than eight weeks, seven and a half weeks until the race on September 29th. We talked a lot about coming in overtrained and underrested. And so I want to make sure that I have a proper taper. So walk me through the days leading up to it. Sure. So um, obviously the, the goal is to arrive rested and ready. Um, so when you're starting a training program for an Ironman, uh, you know, you usually want to start six to 12 months out, okay? Um, leave the last three weeks for a gradual taper, reducing, um, like for example, if you're three weeks out, uh, and you're doing 15 hours a week, then that means with when you hit two weeks out, you're only having 10 hours. And then one week out, you're only going to do five hours that week. So there's a reduction, uh, a rest phase uh, where you should start sort of absorb the, the training that you've done uh, in really absorbing the rest. So you're not going to lose fitness. What Really what you're doing is kind of looking more towards a, a maintenance level for that last couple of weeks, right? And um, on any Ironman week, uh, the week before, for myself even, I would not do more than five hours that week myself. Um, you know, and that, that's just me, uh, someone who's on a, you know, a more hours per week schedule than what I do. Cause I'm kind of a minimalist myself, uh, would have more hours than that. Mm -hmm. But for me, I try to keep it, you know, five, you know, uh, if I could get an hour and a half ride in there, that would be like my long ride for that week, sure. you know, because you're reducing it down from like a five, six hour ride typically at your, your peak, peak weeks, which are probably going to be four or five weeks out from an Ironman. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when you get into that final week, uh, a couple swims, couple bikes, couple easy runs, nothing long. Um, you, you know, you just do a couple pickups here and there just to sort of burn the carbon out of the engines. Mm -hmm. Um, because you don't want to fall into that kind of sluggishness that you can get if you're just going slow all the time. Um, don't be afraid to, you know, kick it up. You know, just don't overdo it and pull a muscle, obviously. You know, get your warm-ups in. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I always tell new athletes is even if you have to cut back on your workout time or your intervals or your distance, whatever it may be, make sure you get a warm-up, especially for the older athletes. And you, I mean, you know, you start getting over 35 years old, you really need to start looking at warm-ups being a, a key part because uh, it's just going to, you know... Um, it's just going to make your whole workout better. Right. You know, you warm those muscles up. And then for the night before, uh, well, actually, that, that race, let's go back to uh, race race week. Um, start cutting out some fiber and dairy products, especially okay. if you have any issues with, you know, milk or dairy products, ice cream, whatever you may be taking in. I find things like that as well as um, garlic uh, is a big one tends to make people gassy mm. uh, like Mexican food has a lot of spices in it so go Beans. bland yeah start cutting things like that out anything that would 
that you know is going to cause gas. Uh, and most people have a reaction with things like uh, garlic, onions, spicy foods that may, you know, upset your stomach somewhat, okay. uh, dairy products. Um, you're not going to need fiber as much race week because the nerves will take care of it yourselves. I mean, you know, you find a, a, a lot of athletes will get to race morning and they're just dancing because they have to go to the bathroom so bad mm. and it's nerves mm. your body just knows something big is coming up so you can cut the fiber out because the nerves are going to take care of of your body regulating right. itself Got yeah it. yeah uh, you know it's you see it at every race every iron man that the most important part of a athlete's race morning from what i observe seems to be the trip to the bathroom <laughs> you know how many trips can they get to the bathroom it's like there's a line of like 40 people you know they really need enough portajohns like they have at boulder boulder yeah where it's just like a block of you know but a they don't seem to have Johns, that. Yeah. yeah you won't have that at an iron man they'll, they'll, they'll be always inadequate bathroom <laughs> so um things like that uh are certainly going to help on race morning um you're you're not going to probably you want to race race light your stomach you want it somewhat empty you don't want to be going in with a gut full of food because what you know when you're digesting food that blood's drawn to the stomach to help aid in digestion and you need it in the muscles yeah you need it in the muscles uh you should have done all your fueling before race day um so race morning try to keep it kind of light uh you know i've heard of people eating like you know, an entire fish with bagels and eggs and omelets and French toast and all this stuff. It's like, oh my gosh, you're going to vomit, you know? Yeah, you, imagine you, getting in your wetsuit and getting in the water on that. Doesn't meal. fit. Your no. wetsuit won't fit anymore. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there, there's always that issue. Um, you know, if you're going to eat, you're going to have to wake up early at like 3, three in the morning in order to get the food in mm. if you're going to be eating a more substantial breakfast but try to keep things more liquid uh on race morning um it's just kind of a pre-digested state of mm -hmm. nutrition um uh certainly solid foods will run into you know you'll run into some issues with gi distress and mm -hmm. that's why we you know when you're fueling on the bike um you you're going to try to avoid like the big you know heavy bars out there you know they try to promote that in marketing you know nutrition bars and stuff like that but if you can get your calories in a liquid form it's better yeah and i've got some good high calorie stuff so i'll plan to use that and stay light on the uh breakfast in the morning yeah yeah for sure um you know one thing if you're going to have a coffee in the morning uh, a lot of people may not know this but uh there's more caffeine in light roast than there is in dark roast. Um, and also, there's a higher acid level in the light roast or medium roast than there is in the dark roast. Mm. So of the three, you may want to look at dark roast. Okay. Uh, race morning. It's minor, but it's, you know, it depends on how sensitive your system is. Also, um, I've read that you can have something like toast at all in the morning something that's uh easier on the gut is something like a sourdough bread uh, and i did some reading on on breads uh which a lot of people will have like a bagel or something like that you know um but you know i'll have like even before 10k like a, a piece of sourdough um toast 
you know. Cool. Uh, but, That's good but, advice. But, yeah, but, you know, nothing heavy race morning. I mean, I've had a cliff bar in the morning. Um, I prefer infinite nutrition as a custom formula for... Um, for my nutrition, um, I'm currently out, so I need to order some more. So I'm using uh, a, a different brand just because I'm out. I, it's just me being gone on vacation. I didn't get a chance to order any. Um, but as far as race time goes, yeah, watch your salt levels. You're going to need to take in salt. Uh, the, the danger of Ironman racing is with the nutrition, for sure, if you start going to just water uh there's because it's the only thing you can tolerate there's there's a problem there um and you know it's something maybe too sweet so try to go like with non very little sweet flavor in your drinks okay. you know something really light so with with infinite you can put just a little bit of flavor or you can make it really super strong oh yeah whatever you want customize okay. everything the salt levels that you can have mad protein you can put caffeine in it yeah it's custom just for you and you can make high calorie or low calorie um if you're not doing that there's a product called carbo pro which you can get out of any bike shop um uh, i know uh, our local triathlon store here they sell it uh but carbo pro is a flavorless non-sweet it's just carbs it's a powder you mix it in so if you want to take say if you have um efs or um if you like Gatorade, uh, you can add this to it. Oh, cool! And, and right. jack the calories up to 300 calories if you want. Okay. So, so if you're getting 50 from your your drink mix, you can make that same drink mix 300, 300. just by adding pro. And it's not going to taste any different than your your. Drink All right, mix. that's good to know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, things like that. So uh, get to bed early if you can. Um, your nerves are going to beat you up, and you know you're going to be rolling and thinking about the race but uh maybe back off the caffeine the day before so you can sleep easier just don't have coffee if you're not used to having coffee don't have coffee yeah. uh you need to get to bed early and rest stay off your feet people spend too much time at expos they'll go to an expo and uh, run around all day look at all this cool stuff hey look at these bikes and i want to buy all this tri gear you know mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, there's three hours at the expo under the sun getting dehydrated. Get in there, get your, your race packet uh, um, the day before or two days before, whatever. Get, you know, maybe see a few booths you're interested in, but don't get hung up in conversations. I've made that mistake before going to Kona and I end up, um, next thing I know, I'm like, Jesus, it's been two like, and Why am I calves sore? And it's like, well, I've been yeah. standing up for six hours chatting with all my exactly. friends. <laughs> two and a half hours geeking out over all these cool new bikes, right. you know? Um, you need to get off your feet and out of the sun and stay hydrated, not with water. You'd be using sport drink the last couple of days before a race because if you uh, just drink water, uh, days leading up to a, a race, you're going to dilute all the electrolyte levels in your system. Okay. So you're going to want things like a, a sport drink. Um, you know, it's got sodium in it. Mm -hmm. uh, and th that should be kind of that and that and water, of course, your primary drinks. Okay. You know, so you don't need things like soda and all that calories that you already burned off in your training. You know, yeah. you don't want to replace them the day before the race and end up gaining five pounds. Um, meals. Okay, let's let's cover meals the day before a race. Just eat normal. Whatever, you know, I mean, 
unless you're eating something like a whole bunch of hot spicy peppers or a bunch of Mexican food uh, that may upset your tummy, I would just eat normal. For me, I like something like a, a pasta with a marinara sauce and chicken breast, like a grilled chicken breast. You know, um, I've learned to stay away from the garlic bread and the garlic rolls the day before because garlic is, garlic. It, it makes you gassy and it can cause issues. Um, don't overeat. Don't feel like you have to fit your last carb meal the the day or two before um because too much uh, too many carbs will bloat you mm-hmm. um i mean heck i've had uh i've had pizza the night before what was it long course national championships um i i actually had pizza the night before i mean i didn't overeat but yeah and there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. um ended up winning the national long course championships so, wow. like, you know, I've got five national championships that I've won, and one of them was eat after eating pizza. Shout out to pizza. Yeah, I, I, I mean, pizza. so whatever works, whatever's normal. And, and you know, um, it's got salt in it, right? I mean, it's got some carbs in it, mm-hmm. and I just didn't overeat. Yeah. You know, certainly yeah. didn't have a salad. But I would, uh, you know what works good for you. Um so just stick with it. Don't change anything that's, that you're not used to. Um, you know, don't think you need a big plate of pasta because you don't. Um, if you don't like pasta, well, okay, great. Have something else. Mm-hmm. Avoid the shellfish. Um, I've gotten sick. I went to a race and got food poisoning eating shellfish. Just totally destroyed my day. So. Yeah, day before the race is probably not the day to get exotic. Yeah, yeah, not, not good. <laughs> so jumping forward to... Uh, race morning um, by now you should have already uh, done recon on the course you have you know know where you're going a lot of people got disqualified at Ironman Boulder this year because they took a wrong turn mm. look at the maps drive it if you have to get there a day early drive it mm. I mean it's going to be painful sometimes because you know you're in a car for what if it's like a, a one loop course, that's 120 yeah, or 112 miles. Yeah, this is a two miles. loop and then a two and a half loop run. So yeah, okay. check it out. I mean, get in the car, throw on the air conditioning, turn some tunes on, you know, GPS that thing or whatever. Have the map and check it out. Know where the obstacles are. Um, understand when you're going to have to shift gears because if, if you're not familiar with the course and you have a bunch of hills on the backside of the of the course, and you've just kind of blown your blowing your whole wad on the first uh, half of the bike course, you got nothing for the second half. And you're like, oh, I didn't know there were hills back here. <laughs> right. uh, so check it out. Um, that's essential. Um, you know, potholes, you know, things like that. Railroad tracks, know where they're at. Um, because, uh, you know, if you don't know how to bunny hop a rail- set of railroad tracks, you know, you don't want to hit that thing full speed and have a crumpled front wheel, you know, uh, so, so just a little advice on knowing the course. So race morning, you know how long it's going to take you to get to the race venue. If you're in a hotel, drive it. Say, okay, clock it. I'm, just, I'm leaving now. Okay, it takes me 15 minutes to get there. Now you have to get there, fill your tires up, all right, put your water bottles on, set your bike computer up. Uh, leave a little time for numbering or, or anything like that. You're going to put markers with your race numbers on your body. Um, and bathroom lines. Mm-hmm. 
and you're going to probably want to leave a little time for suiting up your wetsuit, uh, maybe another trip to the bathroom. So calculate all that and know. I, I like to, like if the race is at starting at 7 o'clock, I'll probably get to the race site about 5.30 and give myself like an hour and a half to just sort of collect yourself and twiddle around whatever it is yeah usually um i'm i get my stuff set up within a matter of minutes you know try to avoid uh, a lot of long conversations because you don't want to be on your feet maybe just do a a light run or something like that and then if you can get in the water before the swim and do do a, a short swim you know arm rotations neck rotations just to get those muscles warmed up uh just so you don't pull anything right um, or some people just hop in actually and use the first part of the swim as their warm up. But as a competitive athlete, I like to make sure I get a warm up in because I'm going to be going from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, clock your nutrition. Uh, like I said, uh, rule of thumb: a bottle every hour, and of course that can go up depending on the, if it's hot or, or you know, or not. Mm-hmm. So uh, and just have a good race. Have have a good good time out there have fun and hopefully um it'll be an enjoyable enough experience that you can be like okay great was my next one typically when you cross the finish line people will be like okay i'm done i don't want to think about an iron man for all All i want to think about is just a couch and pizza or beer or whatever um in a shower in a bed but give it a day or two and then you're going to start thinking, it'll, it will happen. You're going to start thinking, where's my next one? If you had fun at this one, imagine if you like made that kind of like the, the, the jewel of a trip. Like Ironman New Zealand. Yeah, that's a, a reason to go to New Zealand is to yeah. do Ironman New Zealand. But it's not the real purpose. The real purpose is to go and explore these countries that are beautiful, have these great people you know, out there. I'd love to do, um, you know, a European race someday. Iron how Man long? Be- how long between races? Um, I've got. I mean, one came across my radar where they've got seventy-five. Not that I would be in shape by net then to ever, or maybe ever, qualify for Kona. But seventy-five bids at uh, Ironman Argentina this year. If it's you December second. Like All right. If you like Argentina, um, for, <laughs> right. for well. You know, there's there's a lot of pros that are out there doing ridiculous amount of Ironman races, um, and the recovery ability that they have, or the ability to recover for normal humans, you know, mm-hmm. who have families and jobs, and they may have families and jobs too. But when you start seeing five, six Ironman races a year, that recovery and with the amount of training that they do, that's dealing with a whole another issue that I really don't want to delve into. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's it's very plausible to do several Ironmans a, a year and do well in them. For myself, um, two is max uh, that I seem to be able to handle. Then again, I don't do a lot of training. My average training hours probably anywhere from you know, seven to 10 hours year round. Yeah. That's it. But I seem to do well enough off of that, you know, with quality, then 
having to do 20 hours, where some guys do, is like, oh, my God, I couldn't fathom fitting 20 hours a weekend. I think it comes back to your point of mix it up a little, do some short-distance stuff, do some long-distance stuff. Yeah. Know when your body and your mind and you're just, like, when you feel, you feel like a dog that wants to get out, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. know when maybe that's the time to sign up for your next one. Right. And flexibility is a huge part of it, too. All right. So returning from Canada, I wasn't able to bike, but I was able to swim and do some long runs because I knew that I had this race coming up the following week. So I'm treating this race like, hey, it's going to be a long workout, right? Um, Same thing. uh, I had a friend who did his first Ironman in California that year. I was telling you about did a 301 on the marathon uh, there, and it was his first Ironman. He was so worked up. He was so nervous. We stayed right on base there because one of our friends was a uh, military captain, mm-hmm. and he got us like literally the like a hundred yards from the race start. Wow, cool! In the military housing, it was awesome. But he was so worked up, and I I took him I took him aside, and he just, just he was pale, and um, I told him, look, you're just headed out for a workout with twenty two hundred of your best friends. It's just a workout. We're all out there. Talk to them. Relax. Have fun. There's drinks and food out there. That's it. That's all you got to do is enjoy it. Don't get worked up about it. (laughs) Well, there you have it. Uh, I am putting a year's worth of time into a long workout with 2,200 of my friends. There you go. You can race it next time. Just get through it. Well, Kevin, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, hope to have you on again soon. Love I'm going to carry this series of the podcast through my race and then probably do a wrap-up, but I'm sure our paths will cross again and can't wait to talk to you. So Excellent. Thanks again. I'd love to talk with you again. Uh, this is Tyler Anderson and uh, Kevin Konchek. Um, this is the Life Short podcast, my journey to my first Ironman. So uh, thanks for listening. Well, that was Kevin Konchek, Ironman coach, 30-plus Ironmans under his belt, 19 qualifiers for Kona, and uh, he's competed in Kona 13 times. Great dude. Um, Shortly after recording that interview, I had the pleasure of doing a ride with him. It was uh, kind of my only coaching ride uh, that I'm really going to get in this training. It was an awesome opportunity. Kevin's really insightful and super inspired. And so it was really nice to, um, you know, get an opportunity to put in 40 miles with him uh, up in Boulder and hear his perspective on, you know, what I should be doing with, um, you know, getting my head right for this training. The overall message was, you know, you're doing everything right. You can't do more than you can do. And at the end of the day, go into it, um, you know, with a plan, but uh, take baby steps and try to soak it in and enjoy it for what it's worth. Because uh, as painful as it might be, it'll be an awesome opportunity for uh, me to see all of my uh, see the fruit of all my labor. So, um, one one last piece, you know, Kevin uh, talked about some pretty serious topics um, surrounding suicide of athletes and uh, suicide in general. And so, I wanted to just share, you know. Uh, a couple of resources, um, suicidepreventionlifeline.org, and their phone number is 
273-8255. Take it seriously. Anyway, um, we'll talk to you guys next time. And uh, this is the Life Short Podcast. My name is Tyler Anderson. And get out there and do something.